You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. I, I don't even know how I found myself here. Um, I woke up this morning um, believing that I was going to speak at uh, your mother church where I've done two services and um, your pastor walks in and we're just kind of bantering with Pastor Godman and they say to me we'd really wanted you to do this but your your staff uh, said you, you can't do it which is right that's their job to protect me so that I'm not abused but I said to them it's okay it's not an abuse um, for this church, for what God is doing with this church, for the respect I have for your senior pastors, um, your pastor, you you hosted with such hospitality some of our leaders, um, including my brother-in-law, uh, Pastor Bajo, and my sister, Chizo. Um, so for all those reasons, and for, for God having just decided I should be here, here I am. Give God a clap offering. Go on. Give God a clap of it. And then you may be seated. Um, so we, we uh, go straight into the word. I'm, I'm just going to follow on from uh, what uh, you were doing last week, leading like Jesus. Yeah? So it's okay if I do part two for you. And then you can do part three next week. Yeah? Praise God. And you know why, why Jesus is such an amazing example? Um, I... I, I, I I read a lot about leadership. I'm fascinated by leadership. Um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm scholarly in it, but I read a lot about leadership. Um, so I've read a lot of books about loads of leaders, but I keep coming back to the example of Jesus Christ uh, because I feel it's easily, by far, the clearest demonstration of leadership skills, leadership graces that anybody could ever look at. I, I genuinely think you can't study leadership without having looked at Jesus' leadership style. And you know, uh, just look at the background. Um, he, he has a great mission. You know, he's, he's coming to rescue the world. Yeah, This is the mission. Um, you know, leaders have all kinds of missions. Build a company, you know, lead a country. Uh, lead a community, um, lead a family, um, you know, uh, lead a startup company, you know, whatever. Uh, but put all that into one box. It is not as serious or as complicated or as onerous as coming to rescue the world. Yeah? So you would assume that God would equip him for it. And part of the equipment that God would give him would be the right people for this great mission of rescuing the world. Then you look at the 12. Two, two brothers who have serious anger management issues. Serious. These brothers are highly dysfunctional. They are so dysfunctional that on a whim, they wanted to call down fire to burn a village. That's how bad these boys, brothers were. Then you have... Someone who might have ancestry from our great country because he is so corrupt. He's the tax collector. The people, his people hate him because he cheats them. The government hates him because he cheats the government. He's just corrupt. This is his part of his team. Then you have 
some hardened, cynical, skeptical fishermen. You know, the people who hang around ports are hardened by life. They've seen everything in life. And then you have a guy who, is, who doubts everything. He does not believe anything anybody says until you show him categorical evidence. And then you have a zealot. A zealot was the equivalent of a terrorist. Now, this is, and then you have somebody who is so greedy and grasping that he eventually kills himself because of his greed. Now, this is the team that Jesus is giving. How many know that if that was most of us, we would say to the person sending us, you're setting me up to fail. Does that make some sense? And yet, with that team, he succeeded. So you've got to ask yourself, what kind of leadership graces did this, this man show that made him mold this bunch of misfits into the force they became that they eventually touched the whole world? And those are some of the things that in the time we have, we just want to look at, you know, what kind of leadership graces did Jesus have? Because, you know, those things, we can import them into our lives um, and change ourselves. Amen? So let's, let's start. Number one, to be a leader like Jesus, you have to have courage. You know, that word courage comes from a Latin word, um, the, the, the Latin word core, which means heart. You have to have courage if you're going to be a leader because you will be taken on by people who don't want change. There'll be people who will want to stop you from fulfilling what God has asked you to do. And you have to have courage if you're going to achieve what you intend to achieve as as a leader. Look at Jesus' courage, taking on the religious leaders. Uh, That was a, a recipe for disaster because they were the ones who had power. But then Jesus took them on because of the courage that he had. His courage drove him to the cross. At a certain point, the enormity of the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane was so much for him that even he contemplated not going through with it. But thank God he held on because you and I would not be where we are today without him. And so you've got to have courage if you're going to be a leader. Number two, you've got to be a team player. I don't know if you've ever read the book, Good to Great, but let me tell you a quote from Good to Great by Jim Collins. He says, there is a symbiotic relationship between great institutions and great CEOs. The CEO is transformed by committing to a bigger purpose than mere personal success. And leadership consists in getting people to work with you, not for you, particularly when they are under no obligation to doing so. In doing so, the company is transformed into greatness. Amen? It's about teamwork. You know, Jesus was the son of God. He could have done it on his own. He is God. He didn't need anybody. He didn't need Peter. He didn't need James. He didn't need John. He didn't need any of those people. And he certainly didn't need them with all the baggage they were coming with. But then he wanted to make a point to us. And the point is that this thing is about teamwork. You know, it is getting a team together, building a team. It is people bringing their different graces and gifts to bear. It is respecting each other and understanding each other's gifts. 
The, the, the organizations that go the furthest in life are those who can build a team culture. And a strong team culture will take you to where God wants you to go. So as a leader, you learn to build a team because it's, it is teamwork. Can someone say amen? amen? Number three, you must be focused. The American president, Woodrow Wilson, says this. Give me a man who says this one thing I do, not these 50 things I dabble in. This one thing I do. You must be focused. And you know, Jesus was amazingly focused. When the Samaritan woman came to plead with him, the Syrophoenician woman came to plead with him for her child, Jesus' response to her was born out of focus. I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's who I've been sent to. People don't realize that this Jesus we heard about only preached in a 90-mile radius. Did you know that? The whole ministry that is described in all the Gospels was within a 90-mile radius. Outside that 90-mile radius, it was the apostles who took the Gospel to those parts. He was very focused on his mission. He knew exactly what he was sent to do. And he stayed with what he was sent to do. Focus will get you there and help you to achieve what God wants you to achieve. The enemies and expert at distracting people. An expert at causing people to take their eyes off the ball. The people you admire the most in life who have achieved the kind of things that are an inspiration to you are people who were focused. If you're going to lead like Jesus, you have to learn to be focused. Amen? Number four. A leader must be calm under pressure. There is no recorded example, do you know that, of Jesus rushing or in a hurry in the whole Bible. Jesus woke up in Jerusalem and said to the disciples, get up quickly, let's rush, we have to get to Bethlehem. It doesn't exist in the Bible. Everything Jesus did was measured. And even when there was pressure to react in a hasty, horrid, unplanned manner, when they came and told him that his best friend Lazarus was dead. Now, that was at a time that we would forgive him if he changed his plans, got up, and rushed off in a hurry. But the Bible says he still maintained that dignified grace that was upon him. And there's nothing that people admire like a leader that is calm under pressure. And it doesn't mean as a leader that you're not feeling the pressure. Oh, trust me. You know, I lead many units. And there have been times when a situation has taken, has, we found ourselves in a situation that has caused my heart to race. But externally, you will never know. Because part of leadership is to portray calm under pressure. Because it calms people. If the leader is agitated, everybody's going to be agitated. 
You can imagine in the family, the, the family encounters some difficulty. The, 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 the wife comes back home, says to the husband, have you heard what happens? The husband says, oh my God, we're finished, we're in trouble. How, how, how many know that there's going to be confusion? Guess what the husband should do? should do? He should do what leaders do. That's what I do with my family. Whenever Shola comes and there's, there's a challenge, I say to her, it's okay, don't worry about it. It's God we serve. You haven't seen anything yet. He's setting us up to show us how faithful he is. I said, this is a small thing for God. I said, let's pray. Get the children. Don't worry about it. And I'm talking about some major challenges. And then when they have slept, I lie on the floor. I say, God, we're in trouble if you don't step in. <laughs> Forget about what I've been telling them. You and I know that I am afraid. And so you've got to show up for us because I am afraid. By the next morning, I'm back to myself. Shall I say, I said, God is in control. <laughs> because that's what a leader does. Calm under pressure. You think when Moses was going to lead them across the Red Sea, you think, you think Moses wasn't afraid? When he stood in front of them and said, hey, everybody calm down. These Egyptians, you see, you shall see no more. God will drown them. When they went to sleep, I bet Moses went behind a rock. God, we are finished if you don't part this Red Sea. These Egyptians are going to kill us. But that's leadership. Because that's what a leader does. Amen? A leader, what number am I on? Just checking that you were listening. Number five. A leader handles criticism well. Because you will be criticized. It's just how life is. If you don't want anyone to shoot you, then don't raise your head above the parapet. That's what they say. The moment you are doing something that is significant, except Satan has gone on retirement, and you and I know he hasn't, you will be criticized. So don't, don't, don't let criticism derail you. In, at many occasions in my life, I have faced criticism. They've put me on the cover of some soft-sell magazines when I, when I, when I remarried. They put me on the cover of some soft cell magazines. You know, my first wife passed away, and they had all kinds of all kinds of salacious stories about how I got married. I see, really, these people are—they are ingenuity is unbelievable. But did it did it affect me? Absolutely not. A leader expects criticism. That's life. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. Please listen to this. Get a friend to tell you your faults. Or better still, welcome an enemy who will watch you keenly and sting you savagely. What a blessing such an irritating critic will be to a wise man. Let them say. But then use what they say to make yourself better. Can someone say amen? amen. Winston Churchill says, criticism is like pain in the body. It is not pleasant, but where would the body be without it? Number six. A leader must conquer his appetites or her appetites. <laughs> it's instructive that the first thing that Jesus was faced with before he started his ministry, was a test of his appetites. He's led 
into the wilderness. And his appetites are tested. Just to make sure that he has conquered them. Because you can only go as far as you have conquered your appetites. Because if you don't, if God lets you go further, you will bring his name into disrepute. So some people are saying, God, make me wealthy. God is saying, it will destroy you. So my grace is sufficient for you where you are. That's how heaven works. Because, you know, you meet some people, they are very nice when they have nothing. Very approachable. Very friendly. They have nothing. The moment they get a good job, this person who used to walk normally, suddenly his walk changes. Just a good job. Suddenly the, 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 the volume of his voice becomes louder. Suddenly you notice that this guy has some arrogant traits in him. Where were those traits? They were hidden. Because he had nothing to be arrogant about. Now he has a little, just a job, not a business, a job that paying him okay. Then you want to give that kind of person, make that kind of person a multimillionaire? He will kill all of us. So God said, just stay where you are. You know, God, God has grace for management. He'll just be giving you grace every month. You, you know, the money finishes, then you wait for payday next month. You know, because God says you cannot handle more. That's why you hear stories about so-and-so was a Christian until they got to a, to a political position. You know, somebody said to me, a friend of mine said to me, he calls me Papi. He said, Papi. He said, when you see a million dollars, he said, the room starts to smell of the money. He said, it will take angels to make sure that you don't do something like steal that money. If you know, you won't be caught. Now, when you haven't got to that point, you think you can until you get to that point. So the character must be tested. Look at, look. You've heard it said before how precious credibility is. For when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. When credibility is lost, everything is lost. Number seven. To lead like Jesus, you must have a vision and you must share that vision. Jesus, he meets the Zebedee brothers. They work for Zebedee and sons. They are sitting in their company with the, the chief executive, their father. Guess what he says to them? Come and follow me. Forget about this fish with your father. I'll make you fishers of men. Guess what? Those boys abandoned their father and followed him. So I say to myself, Jesus, he just had a way of painting a picture that seized your heart. To keep them going, he says, he says to them, my father has prepared mansions for you in heaven. That vision just kept them going. To lead like Jesus, you must be able to receive vision and share vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18, without a vision, the people perish. 
part of the bane of our country over the years is that we've never had a leader who has a vision for the country. We've had leaders who got there by mistake. We've had leaders who got there because they desired power. But we've never had a leader who sat down before they got there. That's why a leader can get there and it takes them four months, six months to choose those to work with. Because there was never a vision. If there was a vision, before you get there, everything is ready. You hit the ground running because you've been dreaming about it, thinking about it, and you know where you're going to take the country. The companies that are successful are visionary companies with visions, driven by visionary people. You don't arrive there and start to try and figure out what to do. Families that work are families that are driven by visionaries, by people who can see where these children will be, people who can see the kind of marriage we'll have. Please don't get married without having a vision for marriage. Don't get into marriage and now start to ask, so what do we now do? I'm now Mrs. So-and-so. What a tragedy. And please, don't marry a man who cannot sell you a vision. Because if you marry his car, he's probably on higher purchase. If you marry his family name, his father is not going to be there. The father had vision. That's why, they, that's why they got to where they got to. When the guy is taking you out to all these nice places you go to, I don't know where you go, Bay Lounge or wherever it is you go and hang up. As he's drinking water, be asking him, so what is the plan for your life? <laughs> Just ask him very casually. Don't let him know that he's, he's being interviewed. So, so where, where are you in 10 years? Where do you think? Where do you, where are you? Be asking and listening. The Bible says watch and pray. If you say the plan for my life is that one day I'll buy a Ferrari, just pack your load and find someone who has vision. Because you see, if you hitch yourself to a train that's going nowhere, you will end up nowhere. Number eight. If you lead like Jesus, you must have humility. One Peter five verse five. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Jesus was an amazing, amazing leader. This was the Son of God. You know, there were times I would have, I would say to myself, you know, Jesus, just show this power a bit. You know, I mean, the carnal part of me. I mean, this is a bit of an insult. Just, you know, just let an angel come and just be slapping them one by one, just once, just once, so that they can just acknowledge that you're God. But he just was meek and humble. They spat at him, meek and humble. They whipped him, meek and humble. They cast him out, meek and humble. He was just meek and humble. And it's because of his humility that the Bible tells us God exalted him. And lastly... To lead like Jesus, you must be able to say, I am. Go on, everybody say with me, I am. If you can't say, I am, people will say you are. And if people say you are, more likely than not, they are saying it for their own selfish interests. And they will put you on the wrong course in life. So Jesus made some I am statements. I am the way. 
Not everybody thought he was the way, but he knew he was the way. I am the truth. Not everybody thought he was the truth, but he knew he was the truth. And in, in a like manner, we must know enough of ourselves to know who we are. Because if we know who we are, then we certainly know who we are not. And the world has no respect for a counterfeit. The original is what we are looking for. Amen? My prayer for you is that you'll be part of the next generation that will rescue this country. Because this country desperately needs rescuing. There's a leadership vacuum in this country. One or two, three or four maybe. But across the board, you know and I know that leadership has failed us in politics, failed us in industry, failed us in the church. Literally across the board, lead, the leadership has they failed us in leadership. But because God has not forgotten this country, we believe God that he's raising a new generation. And I believe that I am speaking to some, if not all, by his grace, who will be part of that new generation that will rescue this country. Can someone say amen? amen. As I end, if there's anyone here who hasn't accepted him as Lord and Savior, you don't, you don't walk with him, you don't have him in the boat of your life, if there is a storm, you can't call on him, to speak to the storm and steal the storm? How do you live in a city like Lagos with all the complexities, all the potential for harm, all the challenges without Christ? It's, it's, I don't know how anybody can cope. And so if there's anyone here who hasn't accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you don't have a personal relationship with him. As I end with all heads bowed, if you would just slip your hand up, that's all you've got to do. I just would love to pray with you as you start a walk with God. Anybody saying, please pray for, for me. I want to give my life to Christ. Just slip your hand up wherever you are. Anybody saying, please pray for me. Father, we just thank you and we bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. You want to start a relationship with him. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hallelujah. Well, wherever you are with your hands up, if you would just say a prayer and just welcome him into your heart and, and commit your life to him, just say, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Go and slip the hand up because I think the ushers are putting something in your hands. I thank you for today. I welcome your son Jesus into my life. I give my life to him. I accept him as Lord and Savior. I commit to living for him from today onwards in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep that hand up there. We need, we need a, are you giving packs out? Yes, okay, there's some hands up. And for the rest of us, Father, I pray for each one of these, your children, that as they imbibe your word, as they commit to following Christ, being formed in his image, that you will put them in strategic positions of leadership in this nation to bring about the desired change, to 
take this nation on the path that it should go. We bless you. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.